Welcome into the Nate Anderson Show podcast. Um, I am so excited to do this show today, and I'm going to get into a little of the reason why in a little while, but we have a huge show um, planned out for you guys today. So what I'm going to do is I obviously don't expect everyone to just listen to the whole thing, so I will put some timestamps in um, the show description, and so if you want to hear about Conor McGregor or you know the Cubs epic collapse, um, there should be a timestamp as to where you can find that all at. Um, I, I know that a lot of the people that are tuning in, this is probably your first time listening to this because I have not done a podcast in a long time. And most of you are probably familiar with the Nate Anderson show that you've either seen on YouTube or Facebook, um, possibly Twitter, maybe Snapchat. Um, and this is actually where it all started. Uh, the first thing I ever did as far as talking about sports was I had the Nate Anderson Show podcast. So this is where it started and now I'm trying to get back into it because this is what I want to do. At the end of the day, um, it's talking about sports in a radio type style. I want to have my own sports talk show, my own sports talk radio show. Um, and this is the step, the first step. So um, I want to start off today's show just by letting you know basically what this is. Um, what what makes me a little bit different than some of the other sports talk shows, Chicago Sports Radio, um, and what is going on with me right now? Obviously, my name is Nate Anderson, and I have a lot of different things going on. I have a job that I'm working right now um, that has nothing to do with sports casting. I'm also attending the Dan Patrick School for Sports Casting where I'm learning more, and this month we're doing specific, um, specifically field reporting and live shots. So if you do follow along on the Nate Anderson Show Facebook page, you're going to be seeing a lot of that this month. Um, so this is completely different than what I have been doing. Um, I am also in the works right now. I'm working on a Twitch. I'm going to get that up and going at some point in the next couple months. I've never used Twitch. I'm not a gamer um, and so I have not really watched Twitch. I've never streamed to Twitch, but I know 670, the score, which is um, the radio station in Chicago that covers Chicago sports, uses Twitch. And I think that that could be another um, lane that I could get in and would be beneficial to me. Also, I'm working on some T-shirts for the Nate Anderson show and um, possibly some travel um, coffee mugs so those will all be stuff will be getting posted about that uh, coming up here this show is about Chicago sports and with a focus on only talking about sports a lot of other um, media outlets such as ESPN and 670 this the score like to focus on politics for some reason and when you focus on politics, it doesn't matter if you are um, agreeing with the viewer's opinion or disagreeing with the viewer's opinion. They didn't tune in to hear your political or social um, type opinion. They don't care. They want to hear what you have to say about sports. They want to hear your sports opinion. They want to hear you reporting on sports. They really do not give a crap about what you think about um 
whether you should take your COVID vaccine or not. They don't care about who, like, if you like or dislike the current president. They don't care. That's not what, and, and even if you agree with their opinion, that's not what they're tuning in for. So some issues intertwine. The Colin Kaepernick issue was not only a political issue. It was a social issue. It was a sports issue. So you cover that, but people shouldn't know if you're, as a sports commentator, I don't want people to know if I'm a Democrat or Republican because that stuff runs deep with people. People despise the opposing political party or people of that just because what they are. And and is that right? I don't think it's right, but that's just the way it is. Sports doesn't run that deep. If you have a different political opinion than me, you might dislike me because of that. But if you have a different sports opinion, it's not going to change your whole opinion on me as a person. So that's what I want to stick to. I don't, I'm not going to also talk about my political or social opinion or on social issues and alienate half of my audience. No, we're going to stick to the sports. And that's, that's what I'm going to try to go by. Now, there are some issues, like I said, with the Colin Kaepernick issue, there are some things that might have to get covered and you might get a sense of something but that's not going to be the main focus here and we want to make sure the focus on is talking about sports and stuff that has to do with sports only so with that being said we're going to dive right in to this this show here and we have so much to cover so this is going to be a long show i don't know the exact amount of time but like i said i don't expect you to listen to everything um i if if you want to fast forward fast forward rewind go go to the show description and there's going to be a lot of different topics that you can choose from so we're still in the all-star break technically and the cubs play tonight against the diamondbacks i believe they're in arizona on the west coast so it's going to be a late game And that will be the first game back since the All-Star break. So what's been going on with the Cubs? Basically, they get out to an awful, awful start this season. A historically bad start for the offense. And then they tricked us. Don't act like they didn't trick you because they tricked everyone. I was one of the ones that was fully on board with at the All-Star break heading into the season. At the All-Star break, we need to get rid of these guys with expiring contracts, meaning Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, because we need to change things. We need to start, a not a rebuild, but have a reset. And if you're letting them walk and you're not getting anything for them, it's a waste. So get what you can for them. And then all of a sudden, May comes around. The offense wakes up. It's one of the best offenses in the bigs. The team goes on ridiculous. You know, they, they look like a contender. That's one piece away. And what's that one piece? An ace. An ace. The exact ace that they traded away to the Padres before the season started. So that's where the frustration began. Was, okay, well, if we wouldn't have traded you, Darvish, we're a World Series contender. And then... 11 games later and you realize nope as Dennis Green said they are who we thought they were 
the Cubs are exactly who we thought they were coming into the season. This is a team that's going to struggle with getting the hit when they need it. They're going to struggle laying off the balls in the dirt. Javi Baez. They're going to struggle with getting on base even. They can't get a hit in clutch time. They are they are a swing and miss team that relies too much on the long ball. And the pitching staff is not good. That starting staff is not good. Your best pitcher, he got off to a slow start. Didn't even mention that. Hendricks, now he's shut down. He's, he's an ace again. But when you're depending on him to be your ace, you can't have that slow start. But he's rebounded. Zach Davies, you don't really know about him because he was awful, awful to begin the season. He's rebounded really nicely, and he actually does look like a solid two or three. Um, So hopefully they flip him at the deadline too. There's going to be people interested. I personally want them to get rid of everyone. And yesterday, the first domino fell, and it was Jock Peterson. Jock Peterson who came in, he had a crazy spring training, and we thought maybe he's going to provide something. Maybe he's going to have a really big year. Like, all right, he looks like he's going to be a little bit better of a fit for the team than Kyle Schwarber was. And then Jock couldn't hit at all in April. May comes around. Jock is feeling really good. One of the top hitters in the bigs, average-wise. And then... He falls off again. So the Cubs were able to get a prospect for him um, who has elite power. Another swing and miss guy. What are we doing, though? Like, is, is, that, is that what the plan is here? We're going to get rid of all these other swing and miss guys, and then we're going to, like, hope that some other, some new swing and miss guys are um, just, like, a better fit or something? No, we need more guys, like, in, in the mold of Nico Horner. The Cubs were at their best when Nico Horner this season when Nico Horner and Matt Duffy were healthy and they were hitting. Why? Because those are contact guys. They they get on base. They put the ball in play. You you don't have you know runners in scoring position. You know like bases loaded, no outs, and then three guys in a row strike out. Like if Horner's coming up, you can depend on him putting the ball in play. And the way he plays. He plays all out. Balls to the wall. The whole game long. You don't have to worry about effort with Nico. Ever. Is he going to run out run out a ground ball? Yes. You bet. Every single time. It might look like he's going to get out. And he's going to... There's a bobble. He's going to be safe. So, that's what's going on with the Cubs. What's the next domino to fall? Um, I'm not sure. But John Heyman just tweeted out. MLB Network Insider, John Heyman, just tweeted out. Let me get the actual tweet up here so I'm I'm reading it correctly. Um, John Heyman tweets out, While Chris Bryant, Craig Kimbrell, Kimbrell, and other Cubs are on the block, there are signs the Cubs will try to lock up Javier Baez and Anthony Rizzo before talking trades for them. My reaction to that is, why lock up Javi and Rizzo instead of just letting both of them walk, trade both of them away, and try to sign up Bryant? 
try to lock Bryant into a long-term deal. It, it was clear that Rizzo isn't going to take anything less than he thinks he deserves with negotiations before the season. And Rizzo is an aging, declining first baseman that I love, by the way. But he's aging, he's declining, and he has chronic back issues. That means they are not going away every season. Now, now Bryant has his health issues too. He seems to get nicked up quite a bit. But he doesn't have some chronic issue that he can't get rid of. This season he was healthy. And before the Cubs went on their little schneid where they couldn't get a win and couldn't do anything right, before that, KB was in MVP form. He looked just as good as he looked when he won the won the um, MVP. And he's not that swing and miss guy. He gives you good at bats. He'll take a walk. He'll put the ball in play. He's not Javi Baez where you, he's going to go up there swinging at a ball in the dirt. The pitchers know they can throw a slider. It doesn't even have to be close to the strike zone sometimes. It can literally be in the dirt and Javi's swinging and missing. He's an exciting player. He's He has been one of my favorite players for the Cubs because of the way he plays defense, the way he runs the bases, the emotion that he displays. You don't have to worry about him also not giving you effort. He's going to give you effort every time. Now, does he lose focus? Yeah, here and there. But he's not Starlin Castro. He's not going to have his back to the infield when there's a play going on. He's he's just a frustrating guy. Frustrating in, in the manner as to you can have the bases loaded and he's not going to shorten up his swing to try to put the ball in play. He's still going to be swinging as hard as he can every time. He doesn't change how he plays. And he's not going to. You know what you're getting with them. The guy that the Cubs are going to get the most for is going to be Craig Kimbrell. Kimbrell. Do you remember in 2016 when the Cubs traded for Aroldis Chapman? Do you remember what we gave away? Glaber Torres. The num- I think he was the number one prospect in our system at the time supposed to be a stud and he showed that he was a stud his whole issues that's a different topic for a different day what he's become because he is not himself after last season he has not rebounded really um but that's what the cubs gave up if we get someone else's uh number one prospect in their system for a half a season of craig kimbrell i mean sign me up and should you yeah, you probably should because Craig Kimbrell is a Hall of Fame closer and he he's at that top level right now. He's shut down. He figured it out. He's a shut down closer. So those are the type of, I mean, trades we're looking for. Do I want them to lock up Anthony Rizzo? Not really. I'd be okay if we moved on from Rizzo. If you can get him back for cheap, then of course, of course. But the way that it's looking, the way it's looking is you're not going to get him for cheap. You're going to have to overpay. 
And you, if you think you're getting Rizzo and Baez back, you think Baez is going to give you a deal? I don't think so. He finished third in the MVP voting. What was what year was that? 2019? 2018? Maybe 2019, I think. Finished third in the MVP voting? That was a year where he put everything together. Will he do that again? I don't know, but that's that's where his ceiling is. And I don't really think you can bank on him. I don't really think you can bank on him doing that again. But that's what he, I mean. That boosted his value. Someone's gonna see that and think that they can. They've got their internal guys, and we can mess with him and do this, and we can get him back to that. We can get him to lay off the slider in the dirt, the curveball in the dirt. Like we we can do something. Someone's gonna look at him and see that they can do that. Someone will pay the price that he want that he wants during free agency. So I don't really know if I want the Cubs to be that team. Now I was listening to 670 the score earlier and they said if you're looking to pay Baez and Rizzo why wouldn't you just pay Bryant instead? Trade the other two and pay Bryant. I was under the understanding that Bryant is going to be ridiculously overpriced. However, this guy says, and I, I would say the name, but I don't, I, I'm not sure who it was. It was on the Bernstein and Layla Rahimi show, um, and it wasn't either of them. I'm not who, sure who exactly was talking, but he said he understands that Bryant wants to stay in Chicago, and he doesn't want to go somewhere else. He just wants to get paid what he's worth. Now, what does he think he's worth, and what is he really worth is the question. And with Scott Boris being his his um, agent, thinking he's going to get overpaid, and he's going to think he's worth a little bit more than what he is. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out, but I wouldn't mind if everyone was gone. And then you build through free agency. I don't want it to be a huge rebuild again, but you can get a different type of player, different types of players. You know, not a bunch of swing and miss guys. Average is still a statistic. Average still matters. I know we want to just talk about on base percentage and stuff like that, but at some point, it doesn't matter if you continue to get on base. You have to be able to drive the runs in. You have to have some sort of clutchness to you, if that's even a word. You have to have that as an attribute. You have to be able to hit. So that's the Cubs. On the other side of town, the White Sox are in a much different type of place. They've been bit by the injury bug really, really badly this first half. And they're still in first place in the division with lots of breathing room. And people hated on the Tony LaRusso move. And if you listen to 670 the score, they're gonna try to complain about Tony LaRusso every single chance they get because they just have something against him. Um he's old. They don't like someone that's old, they think he's out of touch. And he proved earlier in the season them to be correctly. To to be correct on that, excuse me. And what he's really done since is, I don't know if it's been an adjustment for him or not, but his bullpen management has been good. He hasn't been making the same mistakes. He hasn't made the same mistake mistakes twice. And guess what, guys? 
he's going to win manager of the year. I'm going to call it right now. When the, when the White Sox are in position to get to the World Series, when they dominate their division, they're, they're only getting healthier now. They're getting guys back. They're getting Jimenez back. They're getting other Others are coming back. We haven't even seen how good this team can actually be. Who saw Carlos Rodon being the best team or the best pitcher on that team even? He's been the best pitcher in the American League, arguably. Who who even thought he was going to be better than Giolito? I didn't. I'm not going to lie. I didn't see that. They're in a much better position, in a much different position than the Cubs. They're certainly not sellers at the deadline. They're definitely buyers, and they're going to make moves. I guarantee you Rick Hahn makes some moves. I don't know if it's going to be from if he's going to get Frazier from Pittsburgh. I think that would be a good starting point. Throw him in at second base. Maybe Eduardo Escobar out of uh, Arizona. But they're going to make some moves, and we'll see what happens. But this team is going to be going into the world or going into the playoffs this year they might be the favorite in the al that's just how good they are they don't really have there's not like a glaring weakness the bullpen hasn't been great um they've been so so but this is a team that um they, they might end up being the the favorites in the al i we've still got a half of baseball left so we'll see what happens but now i want to talk about something that actually has been happening it happened this week it's the all-star break so the all-star break comes with home run derby um obviously the all-star game and all eyes are on baseball all you know i mean not everyone pays attention to it but finally baseball gets some fair coverage on espn right they don't like to talk about baseball that much they they want to focus on the off season in the nfl they want to focus on you know what's aaron Rodgers doing they want to focus on nba obviously i mean for good reason it's the finals right now but they don't want to focus on on Major League Baseball. But let's focus on Major League Baseball while there's no games going on. So we need to understand right now as baseball fans, we are absolutely blessed to be living in the same time period where we can watch a player of Shohei Otani's stature. He is an ace pitcher on his team. His stats don't look as great as they did a couple weeks ago pitching because the Yankees blew him up in one game. But before that, the ERA was way lower. And he's still got a sub-4 ERA. That's, you know, that's taking the mound every five days. But when he's not on the mound, he's, he's your designated hitter or he'd get thrown in the outfield. He leads the league in triples. He's got, like... 12 stolen bases or something like that. Don't quote me on that. He, the dude is an athlete. Every single Little League coach, every dad that has his son playing Little League can point to Shoei Otani and say, look at this dude. Look at how he plays the game. Look at what he's doing. That's what you want your kid to play like, right? And you want him to have that goal in mind that 
Because we don't see this. No one's seen this. Babe Ruth did this 102 years ago. In my lifetime, and almost every other person, I certainly guarantee anyone that's listening to this in their lifetime, they've never seen it. You know, the only possibility of you seeing this is at the Little League level, (laughs) where kids play everywhere, where they play all over. That's the only time. So maybe in the next 20 years, we'll start seeing more people that they're probably not going to be to Otani's standard, but maybe we'll see some people that pitchers that can hit. Maybe they do play when they're not starting. You know, we'll see how it pans out. And Otani, he's been up here for a couple seasons. He's been over here. And um, this is his first season where he's been completely healthy. How good is this guy going to be if he can stay healthy? So why am I bringing up Otani? Aside from him being great. Because, right, this this is a Chicago-focused sports show. I try to stay, you know... Towards the Chicago area, Midwest, Otani plays over in L.A. Well, it's because this is a huge story that just happened. It's not just Otani being great. It's Stephen A. Smith from ESPN saying that the younger generation can't relate to Otani. And he might not be good for baseball. You're... Let's just stop right there. You're saying a player that is the ace pitcher on his team started the started the All-Star game. He was a starting pitcher for the American League. He also led off hitting for the American League. You're telling me he might be bad for baseball? What what possibly could be your reasoning? Stephen A. Oh, Stephen A. says, because he has an interpreter. Because he doesn't know English. Stephen A., the guy who cries race, 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 race issues. He wants to talk about race all the time. Slings out this and doesn't expect to get this backlash. That is a... That's clearly... A racist comment. This is a generational talent none of us have ever seen. And I hope we see it again. But we need to enjoy it like we might never see this again. Anytime Otani is on national TV, we should be tuning in as baseball fans. You think he's bad for the game? I don't think he's bad for the game. You know how hard it is to explain to people that don't know baseball? Why the pitchers are bad at hitting? No one understands that. They don't get that. Otani shows you like, okay, they don't have to be bad at Not all pitchers have to suck at hitting. (laughs) He is a role model, and I don't care what language he speaks. It it really does not matter. Oh, by the way, I'm not really going to get into this, but that wasn't the only racist thing that Stephen A. Smith said that one day on the show. He also was talking, um, he, he wasn't trying to, but he came across as very insensitive to the Nigerian basketball team. They, we'll get into what happened with the Nigerian um, Olympic squad a little bit later, 
But yeah, maybe Stephen A is not the most um, expert guy to talk about race issues. <laughs> enjoy enjoy um, Shoei Otani while you guys can watch him. Just tune in. If, if you haven't watched Shoei Otani, just watch an Angels game. There's not much to see in those games. Trout's out right now. Trout might Trout's another generational talent. That's another story. How do you have two generational talents? Two of the best. Otani's not there yet. Trout is. Trout's one of the best players of all time. Shoei Otani's not yet. But if we get a couple seasons of this, he's going to be. We can still point to him in 100 years and be like, this guy did this. But, you know, if he ends up having health issues and this is the only season, then yeah, he, he's not going to go down as one of the greatest of all time. But how do you have two generational type talents and you're just awful? Just awful. That's the difference between baseball and basketball. Basketball, you have two generational talents. <laughs> you're going to be at the top of your conference. You're going to be competing for uh, a conference championship for sure. Baseball is a little bit different. Speaking of basketball, there's a little something going on right now called the NBA Finals. We've got the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix, who was awful, awful, what, as recently as last year? It was a miracle they were even invited to the bubble. Not all teams got invited to the bubble. They got invited to the bubble. I think they went 8-0. They didn't even have Chris Paul yet. They get Chris Paul, and then they're the number one seed. Were they the number one seed? I believe they were the number one seed. And then you have the Milwaukee Bucks, a completely different team. You know, you've got your big three over in Phoenix with uh, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker. Devin Booker's an absolute stud. And then you got the glue there to hold it all together with Chris Paul, an all-time great point guard, all-time great facilitator. As a Bulls fan, I'm watching and like, is there any other Chris Pauls out there? Can we uh can we find a Chris Paul? <laughs> I think his contract's up at the end of the season, but I don't think he's leaving and if he is, it's probably retirement. The Bucks are a completely different team. They they totally play around Giannis. Two-time MVP Giannis. Chris Middleton's great. Drew Holiday, he's he's a piece. He's there. He's not too bad. But the Bucks are not as deep of a team as Phoenix is. Phoenix has players off the bench. They, they uh, facilitate the ball. They pass it around. Some of the passing they have, beautiful, beautiful passing. They play as a team. Not that the Bucks are bad. Bucks are a great team. But when the series began, I was pick, I picked... The Suns to win in five. Now that's not going to happen, but I still, I still feel good about my pick. I still think that the Suns are going to win, just because I think they're a better team. Team, better team. Chris Paul had a bad last game. I don't think Chris Paul is going to have 
two bad games in the series. I expect Chris Paul to rebound, uh, not literally rebound. I expect Chris Paul to bounce back, and I expect them to win in seven. Another thing going on, well, not yet, but NBA free agency. What do the Bulls need? They need a facilitator. They need someone to get the guys the ball. Kobe White has proven time and time again he is not a playmaker. He is a scorer. Can we get him out of that role? You're wasting this kid. He's talented. He can score the ball. He can be a sixth man. He could be a good sixth man. You need some energy off the bench. You need some scoring off the bench. You need Zach, give Zach a rest. Bring in Kobe. He can get hot. But he's not, he can't. He's okay at facilitating the ball, but he's not Ja Morant. He's not Chris Paul. He's not even, you know, Trey Young. Trey Young can facilitate the ball. He's a scorer also, but he he's also a playmaker. He's not, you know, Ben Simmons. Good thing he shoots better than Ben Simmons, but he's a scorer. Stop using him as a playmaker. We need a playmaker. You've got enough scores. Lonzo Ball is a free agent. And report comes out of um, New Orleans that they are not probably going to match an offer sheet for him if it's a, above a certain price, which it's going to be. Because people value Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball is good on defense. He can facilitate. Sounds exactly like what the Bulls need. I don't know if the Bulls will be able to afford them. They're going to have to part ways with Thad Young. Part ways with Daniel Tice. Those are two underrated pieces. I love Daniel Tice. He plays with passion. Goes at, He lays it all out on the line. Every, every trip up and down the court. And Thad Young is built in the same mold. Like, Thad Young is just a little bit more talented. A lot a bit more talented, probably. But that's what you're missing. You know? You're missing someone that can set up Vooch, set up Levine, get your scores the ball, and get out the way. And if you can score a little bit, that's fine. But I don't want that to be your number one thing. That's Kobe White's number one thing. Kobe White is great at catch and shoot. He's great at it. Not good. He's great at it. And it's not even... He's a point guard. He has the ball in his hand. He's the one that's supposed to be passing it. And he can catch and shoot. Why don't we move him to shooting guard and have him come up off the bench, give Zach a break? He can play point guard still from now and then, now to then. But... He is a scorer for your team. He's not the facilitator. Well, I guess it will, we'll pivot over to the Olympics then, where huge stories coming in that didn't expect. The U.S. lost by three points to Nigeria. That's a team that they beat by 83 points. I can't remember which year it was. 
a few years ago, uh, a little while back, maybe, I don't know, like eight to 10 years ago, something like that, 83 points. Then they beat him like 40 something, like five years ago. Then this year, they lose by three points to Nigeria. Now, I said Nigeria, they don't got schmucks on their team, as Stephen A might say. Stephen A might call them schmucks. They've got six NBA players. But guess what? The U.S. can't lose that. They can't do that. I know this is an exhibition, but come on. You've got the greatest basketball players in the world, and you're losing to Nigeria. Kudos to Nigeria. Kudos to Mike Brown, who coaches them. I mean, give credit where credit is due, but also... Maybe it's maybe it has something to do with the way that the team was built. How should teams be built in the NBA? Do you just want all high scorers on your team? No. Look at what we we're just talking about with the Bulls. You need someone that facilitates the ball. You know who the 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 leading assist man on the US national team right now? The guy that came in Averaging the most assists this year? Draymond Green. You're depending on Draymond Green setting guys up. Draymond, that's not his game either, but he's your leading guy for getting assists. Don't just pick all the top scorers. Set up your team strategically. Also, they don't have many big men. Kevin Love just withdrew his name from the team. I mean, Kevin Love was probably the worst guy on the team. But he just withdrew his name from the team. He says he's not going to Tokyo. Two other guys, Bradley Beal's one of them. I can't think of who the other guy is. Just got in trouble for COVID. They're in COVID protocols, and now they can't go to the Olympics. So you lost your starting shooting guard because that's what Bradley Beal was. Zach Levine has looked really good so far. So does he move up in the rotation? We'll see because you're going to have guys coming over. So we'll see um, where Chris Middleton fits in. We'll see where Devin Booker fits in. Um, we'll see how that rotation changes when they come over. But who's going to repla- be replacing some of these guys? They're talking about Trey Young. And you do need some people to move the ball around. John Morant, like I said earlier. Those would both be great, great fits. Is it a big deal that they lost? Hmm. Yeah. I think it is. I think it is because international basketball is catching up to the U.S. And if they don't take it seriously and the team isn't built as a team and you're just trying to get the biggest names and the best players, best scorers, you might have some issue with some people that they've been playing the game together a little bit longer than you guys. They, they have more team chemistry. Might have some issues. You might not get gold. Now, if I'm making a bet, am I betting against the U.S.? Absolutely not. You still have the best players in the world. But would I be surprised if they end up with the silver or even the bronze? I wouldn't be shocked. Surprised? Yeah, I, I would be surprised. I'm not going to lie. I would still be surprised. But I'm not going to be completely shocked. Staying in the Olympics. Huge, huge story comes out. 
Shikari Richardson fails her drug test for marijuana. Can't go to the Olympics. Olympic sprinter Shikari Richardson, in case you don't know who it is, at this point everyone should know who Shikari Richardson is. But if you happen to not know who Shikari Richardson is, she was an Olympic sprinter. Her mother passed away. She was going through some rough times. This is what they say. And she was smoked weed in a state where it was legal, but she failed her drug test and now she can't do the Olympics. So what's, what's the conversation around her? What certainly isn't what it should be. Because Shikari, to her credit, is handling this phenomenally. She understands the rules. She knew what she was doing. This is what she said. She knew exactly what she was doing. And she's facing the consequences for doing that. She has no problem with it. She understands. Other Olympic athletes understand. But you scroll through your Facebook, you're going to see a bunch of experts on the issue talking about how racist the United States is for Shikari Richardson not being able to go to the Olympics. What? Michael Phelps got in trouble. Michael Phelps got in trouble for marijuana and he got to do the Olympics. He won a bunch of medals. No. No, 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 no. Michael Phelps was in the Olympics in 2008 when he won eight gold medals in 2008. He got busted for marijuana in 2009, the year afterwards, and he got a three-month suspension. Shikari Richardson got a 30-day suspension. Two completely different scenarios, but don't cry race issues. There's no race issue in this. Who replaced Shikari Richardson? Other black sprinters. It's not like they kicked her off and were like, let's put on some white sprinters. No. And it is a stupid rule. She was, she did weed in a state where it was legal. However, it's not up to the United States when it's the Olympics. The Olympics, these different countries, they're not maybe as progressive on marijuana yet as the US is. They're, they're a little bit behind. And even though it's not a, it's not a drug that heightens your skill, performance enhancing, that's the word I'm looking for. It's not performance enhancing drug. It's still a drug that is not allowed. And Shikari knew that. And these other Olympic athletes also know that. And they know what happens when you use that. They understand what happens. And that's why none of them are saying, hey, let her run, let her run, let her run. No, it's all these other athletes that aren't in the Olympics. It's, it's Olympics. It's all these people that are on Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that. And they're saying, the America's racist, America's racist. No, they're not. Not for that. There are people in America racist. America's not racist because they gave a black sprinter um, 
telling her that she can't go to the Olympics. Now you're wanting them to say, oh, actually, we take it back. You failed the drug test. You can still go, though. We're going to let you run still, even though you failed it. And that goes against rules because you're black. So, all right, now we got to tell the black people behind you, we got to tell them that they can't go. So we got to ruin their dreams. No, there's nothing to do with race. Nothing to do with race. Not on this topic. There's plenty of issues with race. It in the US, plenty of issues. So let's, when there are issues of race in the US, let's bring them up then. Let's talk about them then. Because what you're doing right now, saying that this makes people in America racist, you're diminishing real racist examples. That's what you're doing. You're diminishing it. This is not race. And guess what? Over half of you Never heard about Shakari Richardson. You don't know, you didn't know who she was until she failed this drug test. That's good for her. That means she is now known by so many people across America for failing a drug test, but so she has so many supporters out there. And I support her too because I think that the rule is stupid. I, I think it's stupid. It's still the rule though. It's still the rule. And if she's going to take this, who am I? If she's going to take this gracefully, who am I to complain about it? Because she's taking it gracefully. All the other Olympic Olympians are taking it gracefully. She might not have even ran her, she might not have even run, ran her race the best. There's other runners out there in her event that are better than her in other nations. I think Jamaica had... Two sprinters that have better times than her. I think Nigeria has one. I don't know if they were better than her or like right there. But we don't even know how great she would have done. It's not like they stole the gold medal from her. It stinks though. Yeah, it sucks. And it's a stupid rule. And I don't know if it'll change though because it does. it's the Olympics. It doesn't go off of the United States customs and what we're used to. It goes off of the whole world. They all have this set of rules. You can't have a different set of rules for us than what these other people are following. It has to be even across the board. So even though it doesn't, that, that's the big, that's the most stupid part. It's not performance enhancing. That's the stupidest part. So dumb. But that's us looking at it. Because you can't play by different rules because you're in the US. Right? So one part that I did skip over earlier and I meant to cover when we were talking about Shohei Otani was the event that Shohei Otani was in. Not the All-Star game, the Home Run Derby. You guys remember watching the Home Run Derby? Did you, did you ever watch the Home Run Derby? Because I, I grew up loving the Home Run Derby. I remember when Sammy Sosa and Jason Giambi were at Miller Park. I don't, I can't remember what year that was. Maybe what, 2005? And they had quite the battle. The home run derby format has changed so much over the years. It's, it's difficult to even explain exactly what it is now. But basically, instead of going by the 10 outs that it used to be, where if you didn't hit a home run, if you swung at all and you didn't hit a home run, that's an out. And once you get to 10 outs, you know, the other person's up. 
it's different. Nowadays, it's timed. So it's however many you can hit in a certain time range. I can't remember exactly what it was. If it was four minutes, it might have been three minutes. And then if you hit it past a certain distance, then you get an extra 30 seconds added on. So you automatically get an extra 30 seconds regardless. And then you get another extra 30 seconds on each hitter gets a timeout that they can use whenever uh, needless to say like I like the old format better I think they try to get a little bit too creative with it but my main thing is that it's so difficult for me to keep up with all these home runs as they're swinging and hitting them because now they I mean they used to have to wait until it lands before the next pitch and now they don't have to wait so it they're just firing them swinging they don't even watch to see where it lands and I miss that. I miss watching the the other superstars, you know, out on the foul lines, you know, along the foul lines, and they're watching and they're just falling all over each other, like, holy crap! Like, look at that, you know, pointing. That was some of the best interactions. Those are some of the best camera, you know, scenes as a fan to watch that. These MLB stars that can do probably similar to what the guy up to bat can. And they just see these monster shots. And that that was my favorite part of watching the Home Run Derby. And so they kind of lost that. But this year, I watched it and I loved it. Even though I still like the old format, reason I loved it was Pete Alonzo. He was bobbing his head up and down, listening to his music. And he was just in the zone. And just mashing it wasn't just that he was hitting these massive bombs all over the field. It was how he was doing it. He brought a passion to it. He played that home run derby like kids everywhere. Like, I mean, I know when I was a kid, we would have our own little home run derby in the backyard. And we're pimping everything. You hit it, you know, it, hit it over the fence. See how many you can hit over the fence. That was fun. Me and the neighbor kid. We try to hit them over the house, tennis balls. See how high they could, how far they could go. You know, that was Pete Alonso the other night at the home run derby. He's playing with the joy of a little ten-year-old boy. You know, people can watch that. They can show their kid. Look at how excited he is. Look at how fun this is. It was a blast. People will hate on the home run derby, and I'm not. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of the format that it has, but how could you hate on that? That was that was really great to see, and I hope that more people do it. I hope Pete does it next year at Dodger Stadium in L.A., and I hope that from now on, like we see more people that bring that type of passion to it, because that was really really excited to see. And he he made it a competition. He wanted that. He wanted it. They gave him the fifth seed. He says. Why am I a fifth seed? I won it. I won the last one. He was upset. And he took it out on him. And he won. And he wanted to win. That was exciting to watch. Now I'm going to update Twitter here. And see if I got any notifications. Because. As we speak. There could be some breaking news. As I speak. Perhaps this is a one-way channel, you know, none of you are talking back to me. But as I speak, 
we are l- watching, keeping tabs to see if Kofi Coburn, star for Illinois Fighting Illini basketball, ends up choosing to transfer to Florida State or stay in Illinois. And I'm not seeing any updates on that. He didn't give a time, but he's supposed to announce today at some point where he intends on going. Now, the last three teams left were Illinois, Kentucky, and Florida State. But news broke last night that Kentucky is out, and Coburn never even went to tour Kentucky. He never went and talked to John Calipari, the head coach. The only reason he wanted to go over there is because Illinois had two assistants that transferred over there. Orlando Antigua and Chin Coleman. They they are now assistants over at Kentucky and not assistants at Illinois any longer. And Kofi is quoted as saying that the only reason he chose to go to Illinois in the first place was Orlando Antigua. So understandable why he wants to go there. But apparently that is not happening and it's down to Illinois and Florida State. So I, I don't know where Florida State came from, but I know they have a great program over there. Leonard, Leonard Ham, Hamilton is a highly respected head coach, very good guy, um, and, and they, they always have a great program at Florida State. But what would this do for Illinois if they get Kofi Coburn back? Remember, Kofi put his name into the NBA draft. I'm glad for his sake that he is not going. Because his game does not translate to the modern day NBA right now. Why was Kofi so successful in college? It's because he's bigger than everyone. Bigger, stronger. He's still raw. He's still a raw prospect. His footwork isn't the best. He doesn't have any mid-range or long-range game. He needs to develop at least a little bit of a mid-range game if he wants to have any success in the NBA. Because he's not going to be able to bully people around like he can in the college game. So he needs to work on developing a little bit of a mid-range game. And this makes, this solidifies Illinois as a top 10 program. If if he comes back to Illinois, that's a top 10 team in the country. Possibly top 5. Because you thought you were going to lose Trent Frazier. You didn't. He's back. You thought you were going to lose DeMonte Williams. You didn't. He's back. You got a couple transfers. You know, uh, you're not going to have to rely on, I, be, I believe his name is Omar Payne from Florida. You're not going to have to rely on him. He'll be good off the bench as Kofi's backup. You're not going to have to rely on him. Got the guy, I believe he was from Utah. And he's going to be in there. And then you got two high scoring freshmen that are going to be exciting to watch, too. So this team, you lost Adam Miller and you lost Ayo Desumu, but they still might be almost just as good as last year because Adam Miller didn't provide a ton of um, production for them. He wasn't the guy. He was going to be the guy this year, but then he left. And so who is your the guy? You might not have one. Is Trent Frazier going to be that guy? I don't know. He hasn't been since he was a freshman. I don't think he has to be the guy. Maybe you're a better team if you don't have the guy. You just have a bunch of guys that fit together 
and you can trust multiple different guys with the last shot in the game. Defenses don't have, they can't key in on one guy like they could last year with Ayodesuma. And when you're looking for someone to pull you out of a slump like last year, in the last game of the season, Ayodesuma's worst game of the season, he couldn't pull them out. And they kept looking for him to, and he couldn't. So if you have multiple guys, maybe, you know, maybe you, that's a better, better team. I don't know. It's tough to say though. So hopefully he goes back to Illinois. And I mean, if, if while I'm talking, if it happens, I will update you guys. But as far as, um, they'll be good without him. They'll be good without him. They should still be a top 25 team. And they should still be a tournament team. But if they get him, watch out for this Illinois team again. They could be, they'll be uh, probably a top four seed in the tournament, I would expect. Because you know they're going to have some good wins playing in that conference. Big Ten's probably going to be in top conference again this year. I'm excited for the uh, college basketball season. That's going to be exciting to watch. Very exciting to watch. So we should talk a little bit about the NFL. I mean, Chicago, it's not going to be really fun to talk about the Chicago situation, right? I mean, how much can we say? Like, Andy Dalton's going to be your quarterback for how long? What, what, what are the bets at right now? They say, I think they, they're saying that they're going to have him in there the whole season, but... We know that's not going to happen, right? So what, week four? Is that what we're saying? Justin Fields Justin Fields will be in there by week four? I'm hoping. I want to see him early. But let him get ready. Let him, let's fix some things with him. Make sure that he's prepared. And don't just throw him in and ruin him like a lot of rookie quarterbacks get ruined. Let's make sure that he's, he's prepared. We're, you know... Not just wasting this pick that we had and throwing him in there behind a bad offensive line, letting him get crushed. Let's make sure, you know, if anyone gets crushed, it's going to be Andy Dalton because he's been crushed for a while now. He's gotten crushed. I mean, last year we saw that. That was awful. That hit. Awful. But let's talk, let's, you know, pivot to Green Bay. The story of the offseason so far. The Packers front office and Aaron Rodgers doing the tango. Who's going to blink first? You know, Rodgers says, we'll see. We'll see. He's going to reevaluate the situation in two weeks if he's coming back. He could retire. He could come back. He wants traded. Does he really want traded? How deep is this? He's got problems with people. Who does he have problems with? Doesn't sound like it's Matt LaFleur. Is it Mark Murphy? Sounds like it is Gudekunst. Is it Mark Murphy, though? Who knows what's going on? What can we do to please him? That's what they're asking themselves. What can they do to make this situa- situation go away? Because they, w- they have two seasons in a row where they were 13-3 and three and one game away from the Super Bowl. And guess what? You're not going 13-3 and three and one game away from the Super Bowl if you have Jordan Love in there. You have no, they have no idea what they have in Jordan Love. Jordan Love, number one, or 
first-round draft pick last year was a healthy scratch in every single game they played. Now, this season's a little bit different because you do have a preseason. You are going to be able to see a little bit more what you got. And there's conflicting reports coming out, you know, how he's looking. Is he looking good? He's looking bad. It doesn't matter. It's a preseason. It really doesn't matter. I mean, you'd prefer that he looks good, but let's wait to the regular season to see what happens. But Packers, Packers fans, they're wanting him back. I mean, I know some people are probably like annoyed and thinking Rodgers is petty right now, and he is coming off that way. Because, all right, dude, let's let's get over it a little bit. Like, we were all on your side at the beginning. Go ahead, go out, get your money, get what you're worth. But now it's like, are you with them? Are you not? Because now you're not just dragging down, you know, you're not just messing with the front office. You're messing with your teammates. Because they're having to grow a connection with Jordan Love. And now you come in, and now these uh, Amari Rodgers, who was a draft pick, and other players that maybe don't have, you know, uh, Devin Functious, he opted out last year because of COVID. Maybe they don't have a relationship with you as well, and they're building one with Jordan Love. And now you're coming in in his spot, and they're used to having this relationship with him, and now they have to get used to catching the ball the way that you throw it. You know, getting a ball handed off to them the way you throw it. They're preparing for a season without you. So you better get in there fast if you're going to get in there at all. So you can start building with these guys. Because this is a Super Bowl contending team. And if you're hurting that chance, you're this is your legacy here. And I'm sorry, Aaron, but Tampa's not calling you. Like, the Chiefs aren't calling you. It doesn't matter where you go. If you go to Denver, you go to Las Vegas, you're not going to have a better chance of getting to the Super Bowl than you have if you're going to Green Bay. That's your best shot at getting another Super Bowl, especially this year. So, we're gonna st- we'll stay tuned with that and see what's happening with that situation. And I'm going to end with this topic. Connor McGregor recently just lost due to a doctor's stoppage to Dustin Poirier. They have bad blood. Or do they? You know, I I don't know. It's kind of like, it's looking like the WWE right now, you know. Uh, talking crap about the guy's mom and, or not mom, wife. Saying the wife, your wife is in me DMs. Uh, it, guys, you got you, people get too wrapped into McGregor. McGregor, he showed who he was. Like, he's not this bad of a guy. Like, you saw how he dealt with Cerrone, Cerrone's mom. He, he, you know, he hugged the guy, talked good about the guy. Going into the last fight against Poirier. They were talking good. He talked good to him before, talked good after. They were friends. Now he's flipping like a switch. I know other stuff happened, but flip like a switch. No, he's trying to sell the fight. 
maybe he's trying to psych himself up because he hasn't been that great for the last few years. This isn't who McGregor is. And if you think that that is his real self and that he's not acting and trying to make a show, you're you're the same type of people that think that WWE is still real. It's not. It never was. You were allowed to think that when you were a child. You're not anymore. Not allowed to think that. It's not real. Do they risk their bodies? Yes, yes they do. But it's not real. What's next for McGregor? Because I said before going into this fight, I said if he loses, he's pretty much done. You know, because you can't just continue and continue to lose. And he doesn't need it. That's the thing. He's not doing this for the money. He's doing this just to fight. Because that's all he knows. But he's a businessman. He's, he's said he's going to be a billionaire by the time he's 35. Like, this guy don't need it for the money. He's just doing this to fight. Maybe he can't be good. Unless he's doing it for the money. That's just something to think about. So I said going into the fight, if he didn't win, then this was going to be his last fight. Not not last fight, but last fight of meaning. Because I figure that he'll fight Nate Diaz again, and he'll probably win that one. So it might give him another fight, but this is his last real chance at going after a belt. That's what I'm... That's what I'm getting at. But with the way this one ended, say what you want about that first round. He was on the ground. He was on the ground. Yeah, but he was giving out shots too. He was getting dominated. Yeah, but that's not his game. His game isn't the ground. The ground game. That's not his game. He went for the guillotine. Big mistake. Shouldn't have done that. High risk, high reward right there. And... It, the risk side is the side that paid off because he was going to be he was down there on the bottom for a while but if he doesn't break his leg then he just survived that ground game and now you're getting put back up on your feet where he has the advantage over Poirier he does have the advantage on the feet Poirier got some shots in but he does have the advantage on the feet and you're one hit away It was a five-round fight. Just because Poirier won that first round does not mean he was going to dominate the fight like he did the first round. If you're saying that, I mean, you have no idea. No one knows. Anything could have happened. So did he look, did Poirier look better than him in that round? Absolutely. But you can't say that there's no question marks after that fight. There's still question marks. That, that's not solved. And Poirier, address, Poirier addressed it. Dana White addressed it. They all say there's going to be another fight. So who knows when that happens or how it takes place, what it looks like. Um, but McGregor, I mean, he's getting old. The axe getting tired. Maybe he faces Diaz next. He should beat Nate Diaz. He should. Maybe after he heals, he faces Nate Diaz, he beats Nate Diaz, and then Poirier gives him another rematch. Poirier might have the title by then, and then it's going to be, 
well, why does McGregor get a rematch? But if McGregor just beat Nate Diaz, then he's going to have a little bit of an argument. Even though, I don't know. I don't know if beating Nate Diaz is as much of an accomplishment as it used to be. The same can be said for beating McGregor, though. Because the only guy he's beaten in, what, the last five or six years was Donald Cerrone? So, we'll see. Anyways, if you listened to the whole thing, if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. Um, I do have... I'll, I'll put the links to my other social media pages in the description as well. So please follow, like, subscribe. Um, stay tuned. I, I hope to be doing more of these podcasts, but I don't have a ton of free time. So it's not like I can do them all the time where I just have an hour and I can just talk. It, it's nice. I love it. And I, I want you guys to comment on anything that you can. Send me an email. I have an email, the Nate Anderson Show at gmail.com. Send me an email for show ideas, anything like that. Stay tuned. I should be doing another podcast at some point coming up um, regarding how dizzy bat contests, dizzy bat races should be canceled. We're in the middle of cancel culture. I'm saying those should be canceled. Not really, but it will be a fun um, podcast and much shorter than this one. So tune in. Um, Thank you guys again for listening, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Everyone have a good good, um, weekend. And also, I probably – I've been being more active on things. I probably will not be in the next week as me and my girlfriend are going to visit some family on the Outer Banks. So I will be gone for a little while. Um, But I'm hoping to keep up with this. So thank you guys. Have a good one.